Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. shirt on because we got a big one this week and that's right we got a big one in women's softball uh the draft is 16 days away we're going to get with armando and see what he is hearing tommy lauren is going to join us we got to find out what the hell is going on here at san francisco state university with our friend riley Gaines. we got to find out what the hell's going on here with dylan mulvaney becoming the face of everything and she's not even a woman or a man i don't know what's going on here but first ladies and gentlemen you know i hate the indie star you know i think the indie star is full of cretins you know uh, the Indy Star, I actually made them so mad that their columnist, Greg Doyle, admitted to adultery in a hit piece on me. He knew that I knew what he was been doing, which is why we weren't friends anymore because of what he was doing. And next thing you know, he admitted to adultery in a hit piece on me. It's one of the great events of my existence. And I've had many great events and I've lived my life with pretty much integrity, a few missteps here or there, but yesterday, unbelievable. It was Monday, Monday after the Masters. The Masters was won by John Rahm over Brooks Kepka. Monday, the Masters was Sunday. Now I want you to think about this. The Masters was Sunday. Monday, if you get a newspaper, what do you read? The winner, John Rahm. Down four, wins by four, minus three for 30 holes. Let's see how the Indy Star, my favorite newspaper, covered this yesterday, shall we? Kepka holds on for two-shot lead over Rom. And if you look up in the upper right corner, this is Monday's newspaper. Now I'm gonna let you let that sink in because. If you have any age on you, like I do, you grew up reading the paper. I've talked about it all the time. You grew up, hey, last night, the Chicago Bulls, when I was a kid, Bob Love scored. Hey, if I had a decent game in high school or a big game in high school, couldn't wait to read the next day's paper. In college, when I had a game, I'd get the paper. This is the paper, our paper, the Indianapolis Star headed by Indianapolis sports editor Matt Galensic, who says he is a content coach. I've told people, I don't get personal with the star. They get personal with me. I've just said for years and years and years that they are inept at their job, but I've never seen anything like this. And this wasn't only the star. This was apparently all of Gannett newspapers. You know that little weasel? I do get personal with Dan Wolken because he is just a little weasel. That little weasel, Dan Wolken, that little weasel, Greg Doyle, two little weasels. One works for the Star, the other works for USA Today. This is what they put out. I just want you to think about that for a second. Those of us that grew up with the newspaper, let me ask you a question. Did you ever see this in your life? Now, I'm being serious here. Did you ever get the Gary Post Tribune or the Hammond Times or the Chicago Tribune or the Chicago Sun-Times? Open it up 
and see two-day-old news? Have you ever seen that in your life? Has that ever come about? Ever? Ever? Anywhere? I'm going to tell you. I've told you this before. I will tell you this again. I have not, and I am a news freak. It's It's glorious. The Indie Star has either children writing for it or down-and-out adulterous columnists writing for it. It's just what they do. And they try to disguise it like, they're. well, you know, our website gets all... Good for them, man. Then go to a website. (laughs) I asked this before, and I'll ask it again. Like, what, where, how could this possibly happen? But I love that it did because I dislike them. They're liars, they're cheats on their wives, they're horrible human beings, and they can rip me all they want, but this is who they are. That is absolutely who they are, and you are seeing it, and this just isn't me making stuff up like they make stuff up about me. It isn't that. This is in the newspaper. A friend of mine sent it to me yesterday. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, look at this. I don't get the star. I used to get the star, and then they wouldn't deliver it. And like, wait a second, I'm tired of arguing with you people. Like, you can get this newspaper for like 90 cents or 50 cents for a year, and then they charge you crazy money, just like your newspaper. Don't get the newspaper. Don't. Ever. Under no circumstances. Jeez. I'm not surprised, though. Uh, The next thing we'll hear out of Matt Galensic, the uh, sports editor, is we'll hear him threaten me with something. Who knows? Who knows? Who cares? I'm beyond giving a rat's ass anymore. But I got to tell you, I don't get personal with him other than Doyle, who actually admitted. Can you imagine? I'm going to write an article about Dockage. We used to be friends. Dockage wouldn't let me stay at his house because Dockage has a 16-year-old, 17-year-old daughter, and I didn't want Doyle staying at my house because I I found out what he was doing with women, and I don't want to sever him at my house with my daughter, ever. But anyway, um, that is a little personal, but that's just in response to how they've treated me. But this is glorious. This, ladies and gentlemen, is absolutely freaking glorious. Beautiful. And I'm not surprised. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot to get to today. We got a lot to... Cliff Kingsbury. Remember Cliff Kingsbury? I don't know if I could do this. I got to give Cliff Kingsbury credit. Cliff Kingsbury, remember him, the coach of the Arizona Cardinals? Think about this. He was an under 500 coach in college, an under 500 coach in the pros. Now, look, he goes from being the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals to the quarterback's coach at USC. Now, I'm not saying the quarterback's coach at USC is a bad job. A lot of guys would kill for it. You're coaching Caleb Williams, who will probably be the Heisman Trophy winner. Okay? I get all that. I do. I swear, I do. I got you. I get it. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know that I would want to do that. When you've seen Perry, you understand what I'm saying? When you've been a head coach, all of a sudden to go back and sitting in those meetings, to go back and be do all of the grunt work, that'd be hard. That'd be really hard. I was 10 years as a head coach. I went back as the director of ops. And according to Calvin Sampson, my estranged friend, I was the greatest director of ops he ever saw. Of course I was. 
Because, I mean, when kids came in, no one could sell Indiana like me. I walked around with a cup of coffee talking to everybody in the athletic department, building relationships with everybody because I knew janitors' names. But that was my job, and I didn't mind it. And Samson was easy to work for. Hell, I left whenever I felt like. But being a, then I became a real assistant when they fired uh, Rob Senderoff. And then it became like, oh, man, I got to sit in these meetings, listen to these idiots. I got to listen to Ray, Ray McCollum. Oh, man. And then, you know, are you working out players? Yeah, I'm working out players. Yeah, I'm doing it. But you just, you've seen Perry. You've sat on the throne. I asked a very famous football coach, what do you miss about coaching? He said, I miss being treated like the head coach. The head coach is a mount. You are, you are on the mount as a head coach. You are the man as a head coach. And now this guy with his hot girlfriend or wife, whatever she is, and all of his money has to go sit in meetings and worry about recruiting some 16-year-old from Van Nuys. God bless you. God bless you. But I got to tell you, I don't know that I could do it. Good morning, everybody on the YouTube chat. And it's wonderful already. We got almost 300 people just hanging out, chilling out. Uh, Our friend, our friend uh, at Indiana University Basketball, this is where you just got to be better. So UConn, UConn's won five national championships since 1999. I don't even think about that. Indiana's won five in our history, and we think we invented basketball. So Indiana brings over a player, some kid who lost his playing time at Oregon because, well, frankly, uh, he didn't want to work hard. Oh, okay. So Indiana gets him to replace Trace Jackson Davis, and I swear to God, here in the great state of Indiana, you'd have thought that we just won a national championship because we got some weird first name, second name of where guy to come here from the bench at Oregon, where I guarantee you Kevin McKenna and Dana Altman are glad to get rid of the guy. Former McDonald's All-American had some big games early. And next thing you know, by the end of the game, he, ladies and gentlemen, was done, gone, hardly playing. All right. But here in Indiana, we celebrate. Here in Indiana, we're hanging banner number six. It's why I love Indiana. It's why I absolutely love it. Every little small victory, even one where a former McDonald's All-American that barely played at the end of the year for Oregon, a team that made the NIT, coming over to Indiana gives everybody in our little town, our state, the, (laughs) the juice to think banner number six is coming. Oh, okay. We're patiently waiting for some clown named Xavier Johnson to make his decision. Oh, or to get his clearance from the NCAA. Oh, man, if Xavier Johnson comes back. He's got more arrests and he's got titles. <laughs> Jen, though, is not celebrating. Gritty Jen on our YouTube chat, she's chat. She understands. It ain't about that, ladies and gentlemen. It's about winning. Did LeBron James, let me ask you this question. Did LeBron James and the NBA catch a break as one? Follow me here. Tonight, James and the Lakers take on the Timberwolves in a play-in game. No Gobert. No Jaden Daniels. Now, Jaden Daniels was an idiot. He's a guy that punched. Gobert gets suspended. Now, there's a whole litany of things why Gobert should not have been suspended. First, he didn't punch the guy in the face. He kind of hit him right here. 
Second, the guy, Kyle Anderson, was calling Gobert the B-word constantly, constantly, constantly. There is enough there to say, hey, look, uh, we're going to fine you. We're going to fine you big. But we're not going to suspend you for what is a, a de facto playoff game. We're not suspending you for this. But did the NBA do this because they want LeBron to move it forward into the playoffs? I would argue no-ish. Now, what does that mean? No, not really. They didn't actually say to do it, but they ain't mad that it was done because let's be honest. Who do you want in the playoffs? LeBron James or Minnesota? L.A. or Minneapolis? Uh, Kat, Kata Bates, uh, no, uh, Towns, Carl Anthony Towns or LeBron James? Who do you want sitting on the sideline? A Prince impersonator or Jack Nicholson? Is Jack Nicholson still alive? I don't know. But we got a play-in preview. We got a play-in game tonight without Gobert, without McDaniels. Now, McDaniels should be out forever. If I were the Timberwolves, I would find McDaniels starting today. I'd say, all right, you're being fined for your stupidity every day that you're out because you cost us because you're really stupid. He's a kid that punched the wall. You're too stupid. We've got to move on without you. We have a stupid clause in everybody's contract. If you show a gun at a bar, you're too stupid, so we've got to suspend you. If you punch a wall, you're too stupid. And if you come back with, man, that's the competitor in me, then you're even more stupid. There should be stupid clauses. There's stupid clauses in your job. There's stupid clauses in my job. If I act too stupid, that's called getting fired for cause. It's the stupid clause. There should be stupid clause. Punching a guy or shoving a guy or doing it in a, in a uh, huddle setting, that's not stupid. You could argue that's just two guys. But the stupid clause is fantastic. The stupid clause is where we ought to be. I think everybody in every job should invoke a stupid clause. I do. I think it's fantastic. Later on today, I'm going to give you top five. Now think about this. Top five just weird, stupid NBA things. Just stupid NBA things that, that have transpired over the past year in the NBA. The regular season is over. We're on to the playoffs. So now we talk about what has transpired from training camp until yesterday, or two days ago, Sunday. Yeah, and there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack. But if I'm the NBA, you see that guy right there? I want them in the playoffs now. I don't want anybody to ever have to travel to Minnesota. Minnesota's a hellhole. Minnesota's a dump. Minneapolis is awful. The state of Minnesota, not so much. The city of Minnesota, complete dump. Complete dump. Totally dumb. Uh, Dan, speaking of stupid, I was going to get to this too. The, <laughs> the Timberwolves gave up not one, not two, not three, but four, count them, four first-round draft choices for Rudy Gobert. Now, Rudy Gobert has been stupid before. Do you remember when Rudy Gobert, uh, disrespecting COVID, went and touched all the microphones like the complete jackass that he is? Do you remember that back when COVID started? In fact, you could argue that was the first day of COVID. So Rudy Gobert has shown himself to be a damn fool. A damn fool. And now he's out here in the playoffs, not playing because, well, frankly, 
he decided it was a good idea to punch his teammate in a game where they won. Now think about that. In a game where they won, in a season where they're actually going into the playoffs, this guy, four first-round picks, isn't playing. Personally, I hope the T-Wolves win. I hope the T-Wolves beat LeBron because I don't want to have to hear about LeBron anymore, but I don't see that happening. I think LeBron goes for like 35, 18, and 12, and I think they win. I do. Now, a lot of people say they have zero interest in the playoffs. Bill Martin on the YouTube chat. I do too, except I don't. I will tell you, and I used to tell you this, I don't think I'm telling you anymore because it's become an AAU product that isn't great. I used to say the NBA playoffs are better than the NCAA tournament. Here's why before you crush me. Obviously, the skill level is off the charts different. It's varsity against JV. But even more than that, the home crowd. See, the home crowd always got me. When you watch an NCAA game, the early ones in particular, there's not really a great crowd there. You know, a lot of those games early Thursday when we got done with the show and everybody spread out to go watch games on the first couple weekends, the crowds weren't there. NBA games, the crowds are there. The crowds are passionate. In fact, 97% capacity is what NBA was this year. They just released a thing. Biggest attendance, most watched, not on TV, but most watched of any time they've ever had the NBA regular season. So you got to give them credit for that. You do. And the NBA playoffs are terrific. They are. I mean, but I'm not sure they're going to be this year because I don't know how much the players care. And the reason I say that is because the Dallas Mavericks decided last game of the year, we don't want to make the playoffs. Nah, we're going to sit everybody. They should be fined into next week. Can you imagine anybody in the NFL getting down to the last game saying, nah, we don't want to make the playoffs. Or the uh, it, it, see in the NHL they play the same amount of games as the NBA, but they're actually very physical. Major League Baseball, nah, 162 is enough. We don't want to go to the playoffs. Armando's got thoughts on this. I guarantee Armando knows. Armando knows everything going on in the world of the NFL, and we must discuss the NFL because we are 16 days away from the NFL draft. We are also ladies and gentlemen, rounding into form with free agency. Armando, the biggest news of the day was OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., not only signing with the Ravens, Armando, but partying with Lamar Jackson. This seems like my dream of Lamar Jackson coming to Indianapolis is dead. It seems dead to me, Armando. If it's not dead, it's definitely on life support and... You know, the idea has gone limp and there's no there's no breath in it right now. And it's simply because the Baltimore Ravens don't want to do the unthinkable and give away or trade away a, basically a franchise quarterback for any amount of trade value. And so they still believe that they're going to be able to sign him. Interestingly, they got Lamar Jackson to be involved in the entire OBJ recruiting process and free agency process. That says two things to me, Dan. Number one, the Ravens are very much excited about OBJ and getting Lamar Jackson um, what they believe is a top-tier wide receivers. Uh, And number two, that Lamar Jackson is excited. And the, the, the latter part of that is important because 
Lamar Jackson did ask to be traded from the Baltimore Ravens. And he was and has been frustrated by the Baltimore Ravens at multiple stages of the negotiations with the Baltimore Ravens. So the idea that he's involved in trying to improve the Ravens tells you that that frustration has diminished to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that's the way I read it. I mean, I don't read it any other way. Uh, unfortunate. <clears throat> unfortunate. Uh, for us, probably good. Probably good for the league, though, right? I mean, OBJ and and Lamar going to create interest in Baltimore, probably where they should be, or he should be, uh, Lamar. Look, uh, be very frank with you. I've never pulled punches here, and I'm not going to do it and start now. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. The idea of him going to the Jets, I thought, was a good idea because the Jets have a. Uh, a lot of complimentary receivers already. And Garrett Wilson is a number one receiver in the making for the New York Jets. Odell Beckham Jr. is a good complimentary guy at this stage in his career. He is being brought to Baltimore to be their number one receiver. And I don't believe that that's what he is anymore. Uh, the last three years that he's played in the NFL, well, one of those, he, he didn't play at all, which was last year. The year before that, he blew out his ACL. And the year before that, he blew out his ACL. So the last three years of 30-year-old Odell Beckham is blown ACL, blown ACL, missed the entire season. Um, that means that what they are paying for in Odell Beckham Jr. is a hope and a prayer. and a name and not necessarily production in recent times. And to me, um, I, I just don't see how players get older and get healthier. It, it, those two things don't, don't happen typically in the NFL. Now, that's a great point. Uh, that, that is a great point. I, I thought as a number two receiver, he was good as a number one. You're taking a big risk because let's be honest, uh, injury aside, guy hasn't played. You just chronicled his injury. Guy didn't play two years ago. He signed with the Rams late year before he was hurt again. So nobody really knows what this guy has left. They're taking a flyer here, right? Really good workout by all accounts of people that were there and saw it. But there's a difference between, you know, getting open – against air and getting open against, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers twice a year and getting open against the Cincinnati Bengals twice a year. And so it's going to be interesting to see if OBJ is still that guy. Um, again, I have my doubts. I thought that he would be a great complimentary piece for the Jets, but as the number one guy, the guy that has to carry the room, so to speak, for the Ravens. Uh, good luck with that. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. So what they have basically when they get Lamar back and they sign OBJ is they have a quarterback with durability issues and a number one wide receiver with durability issues. <laughs> yeah. It may be the best 12. 12 team 12 game team in the NFL. Yeah, December this thing for the Ravens. It's been interesting the last couple of years where 
Lamar Jackson has missed 10 games combined in those two years. So uh, playoff run, it's it's basically been a run to a hospital bed for the Ravens. Hey, hey uh, Armando, timeline on the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. What are you hearing? What are we thinking? I, the second day of the draft. Uh, if it doesn't get done by the second day of the draft, it all goes to hell in a handbasket because at that point, the Green Bay Packers are not getting, well, they're not getting a first round pick anyway, but they wouldn't get the one of the two Jets second round picks because the second day of the draft includes the second round. And that means they get nothing that they want this year. They want at least a second round pick plus more compensation, uh, a body, uh, more draft picks next year. If they miss that deadline, they don't have the this year thing. They lose all desire to trade him immediately. They can keep him up until the day before the season. That hurts the Jets. And the negotiations have to start all over again, the trade negotiations, because the idea is the Jets have a certain draft slot this year after they went 7-10 and 10 last year. But with Aaron Rodgers, they're likely and expected to do way better. So their draft picks would be way lower. And that means that the Packers aren't going to necessarily settle for a second-round pick that might be a glorified third. They're going to want that first again, which is really – um, going to be tough because the Jets are, are adamant they're not giving up a first-round pick. How good – this is the question for both. Both, really. I mean, how good How good does Rodgers make the Jets, you know, in your mind? The whole purpose of an offseason, Dan, is to upgrade, is to get better. Aaron Rodgers is better than anything the Jets have had a quarterback in a you know a very 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 long time and so it's a smart move by the jets because they're getting better uh if aaron Rodgers has his season that he had last year which was arguably one of the worst that he has had in a very long time he'll take the jet the jets will be in the playoffs because their defense is that good their wide receiver room is very good, even without uh, OBJ. And their running game has been very good. And so given all those things and a quarterback that doesn't soil himself when he gets uh, in the lineup, that's, that's huge. That's playoff football right there. Odell Beckham. It is the best, I guess, free agent wide receiver out there. The interest in Lamar and Aaron Rodgers is obvious. Is there anyone else out there that moves the needle in terms of signing with a different team? Yeah, in the in the offseason, Dan, that free agency is now a back burner thing. Uh, the free agents that are left out there, you know, they're mostly names but not necessarily uh, stars, uh, not necessarily guys that are going to move the needle. Uh, I wrote today on OutKick a little bit about Joe Mixon's situation in Cincinnati and whether they're going to keep him or not. The name Ezekiel Elliott had been mentioned in Cincinnati, 
And you would think that that would be a, a natural destination for him because of he played at Ohio State. And, you know, obviously the Bengals are in Ohio last time I looked. And so the, the regional ties are there. And yet the Bengals have co- sort of, you know, been lukewarm at best about Ezekiel Elliott. In fact, the entire league has been lukewarm at best. And why? Because Ezekiel Elliott kind of lost a step last year and 3.8 yards to carry is not very good. Um, so big name, uh, well-known name, but most of these guys now that are left, even OBJ up until two days ago, Injury prone, injury history on the wrong side of 30, uh, coming off poor years. That's the kind of player typically. And and then, of course, backups and depth guys. That's what's left in free agency. Yeah. And the draft is is the focus. In your mind, who is the number one pick? Who Who is Carolina going to take? Bryce Young. And I know that that's going to blow the mind of a lot of people because Las Vegas thinks it's going to be C.J. Stroud or has. And by the way, I don't care what Las Vegas thinks. Um, And a lot of the pundits have been saying, well, it's going to be C.J. Stroud because he's taller than Bryce Young. And of course, um, you know, the, the idea that you want a five foot ten quarterback is not something that that Frank Reich, the coach of the Carolina Packers, uh, excuse me, Carolina Panthers, likes, and not something that necessarily most NFL experts like. Well, I had a couple of people who told me, "Look, um, if C.J. Stroud hadn't had that one game, one game." In the uh, in the bowl series championship against uh, Georgia, where he just went crazy, and on top of that, he showed a lot of off script ability to make plays. We would this wouldn't be a conversation. It would be Bryce Young because the entire rest of that season, Bryce Young was the better quarterback. He showed more uh, capability to be off script. He showed better instinct. And oh, by the way, he's super intelligent, processes super fast, and has great instincts. Other than that, he's he's not very good. <laughs> you know, uh, Bryce Young is the guy. He is the guy that from, from the kickoff of the season to the end of last season, he was the best quarterback in college football. And I think that ultimately the Carolina Panthers will look at the tape, will look at the interviews, which have been a home run and decide we're going to go with the guy that proved it and showed it over the entire year. Five foot 10 be damned. Where are you at at with Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, those guys? Yeah. Will Levis should be a great quarterback. (laughs) That's where I'm at with him. He should be. Amazing. And he, I guess he might develop into that. He has the body. He has the arm. His arm is, is electric, really. He can make every throw. He maybe has the strongest arm uh, this side of Anthony Richardson. 
there is no reason why he's not great. The question is, why didn't that necessarily translate onto the field um, all the time? And that's the question that a lot of NFL teams are asking. I think that he has possibly sunk. Uh, when we started this process, everybody talked about him as the number three guy behind Young and Stroud, and rightfully so, I thought. But now you get a lot of talk about Richardson ahead of uh, Levis. And, oh, here's a surprise. There's some teams that like Hendon Hooker. Yeah. ahead of Levis. And Hendon Hooker right now is a very popular, um, I would say not a pick because we're not picking yet, but he is a very popular candidate. And there are a lot of teams doing a lot of heavy lifting and thinking about him as their potential late round, first round draft pick. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of buzz here in Indy that Hendon Hooker. Hooker is a guy that the Colts like. They, it based, you know, he's a little bit older, which I guess is bad. I don't know. Uh, but the touchdowns, the interceptions, the leadership. I mean, I, I'm always saying beware of guys moving up after the season, but who knows? Well, let's, let's have perspective here, Dan. Where are they moving up in or on? It's a bunch of uh, pencil neck geek draft gurus in the media the teams aren't revealing their board and then all of a sudden changing it that we see it's media that's either catching up to the facts or all of a sudden deciding you know we're moving guys up and down the media has no say on draft night i tr trust me on that yeah the media is catching up to the the nfl narrative not the other way around Good do you, how good do you think Hendon Hooker is? I saw him. I think he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean, you know, the guy was in the SEC, and he was arguably a Heisman Trophy candidate up until the moment that he got hurt. And so, therefore, you know, you don't get better than the SEC, and he was, he was cleaning up, and that game against – Nick Saban's defense and that talent, he just pummeled them, destroyed them. Didn't they score like 50-some-odd points? You don't do that, and you're not a, a, a player. Uh, and Hendon Hooker, I, I understand he's, he's uh, a year or two older than some of these other guys, and obviously he's still recuperating from the ACL, the knee injury. But, again, a lot of teams are looking at him and saying, you know, from a developmental standpoint, uh, we can work with this, and it's it's at a position of great value. So, yeah, let's, let's invest. And the investment likely will be a middle to late first-round pick. Last thing before I let you go, a lot of talk. A lot uh, of talk. Uh, will Anderson. Did, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, where, where, you know, where are these guys going? That doesn't need a quarterback, which is a, nowadays it's a smaller and smaller group. But all of those teams, uh, you know, Arizona, I guess is is a team that 
If it doesn't trade down, we'll be picking defense. Uh, there are others, but you know, that those guys will find their niche and they will find their niche and, and be important contributors. But let's, let's be honest. Um, I did the, the math, so to speak on the whole thing, even teams with quarterback, Dan, they're doing quarterback homework. So, uh, Seattle, Las Vegas, Atlanta, Tennessee, New England, Green Bay, Washington, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, New Orleans, all of those teams have um, starting quarterbacks that they've either named or are likely to be their starting quarterbacks on their roster right now today. And yet they are all bringing in quarterbacks on top 30 visits because they're doing their homework on the quarterback because it's just too valuable not to add them. You know, it's funny. I go back to when the, to when the Colts drafted Andrew Luck in the third round. They were getting ready to take Russell Wilson. <laughs> and then Wilson got taken ahead of where? You got to have a quarterback, man. Just do. A couple of years ago, uh, the then Washington Redskins, they picked RG3, Robert Griffin III, in the first round. Uh, they picked Kirk Cousins, I believe, in the second or the third round. And it turns out that Kirk Cousins is still in the NFL starting yeah. at quarterback for another team. Ah, that's a great Armando Segura, who is the best at what he does, which is cover the NFL. All right, a year ago, Dwayne Haskins died. Now it's everybody's fault but Dwayne Haskins. We'll get into that right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome back. You know, it was a year ago that Dwayne Haskins lost his life, and it was a very odd thing. Dwayne Haskins apparently ran out of gas. Dwayne Haskins was walking in the street on a highway, got hit by a truck. I mean, that's what happened. He got, he got hit by a truck, and now, listen to this, now there is a lawsuit being filed that Haskins, on the night of his death, was part of a blackmail and conspiracy robbery theory. So now a lawsuit was filed, lists four individuals, two restaurants, a driving range, a hotel as defendants. He was killed April 9th. He was struck by a dump truck on a South Florida highway. The lawsuit also lists the driver of the dump truck as a defendant, citing his negligent acts as a direct cause. Man, listen to this. His attorney or the family's attorney said, I'm going to quote here, it is believed that Dwayne was targeted and drugged as part of a blackmail and robbery conspiracy. In fact, his highly expensive watch was stolen from him shortly before his death. His widow, Calabria, is listed in the lawsuit as a plaintiff. 
She's seeking a jury trial. The, toxic, to, the toxicology report said Hex Haskins was legally drunk. He was hit by a truck on I-595 in Florida. He had blood alcohol levels of 0.20 and 0.24, both of which are above the legal limit, both of which make you half crazy. Also, ketamine and norketamine are drugs that were used by medical officials as anesthetic antistetics, but also been known to use be used recreationally. So this dude was a mess. So apparently he got out to get gas. He had run out of gas. Uh, called 911. He was with some woman. They're alleging the driver of the dump truck was speeding, driving carelessly, had a cargo load exceeding the legal weight limit. Lawsuit alleges negligence by the owner, the trucking company, the Florida Department of Transportation, the rental car company, and the contractor that provides signage along I-595. It's everybody's fault. But the dude walking in the middle of the street I'm more interested in the blackmail and robbery conspiracy. That's what I'm more interested in. Everybody, you know, family's hurting, so you're going to blame. We all get that. It's everybody's fault but the guy walking in the middle of the street, hammered, out of his mind, somehow runs out of gas. Feel bad for the whole family. Feel bad for the whole situation. But as I've read on this, what's the robbery conspiracy? Yeah, they took his watch, I guess. Somebody did. I don't know, but I, it is something that I am going to pay attention to because whenever I hear things like that, there's got to be a backstory, right? There's got to be something behind this. Not just a drunk dude walking down the street, truck hit him, it's truck's fault. It's a lighting's fault. It's a signage fault. It's the company that served him beer. It's the golf course. I mean, blah, 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 blah. I mean, to me anyway, there's got to be something more to this in terms of the robbery and conspiracy. And we're going to find out, or at least we're going to pay attention to what this is. We shall see what we shall see. But from what I just read, it sounds like a hurting family trying to place blame. But the interesting thing, again, is the conspiracy theory. The Boston Bruins, ladies and gentlemen, this might be the first time I have talked hockey on this show. So get ready. Get ready. The Boston Bruins just set a record, 63 wins. Now, that's a hell of a deal, 63 wins in an 82-game season in hockey. That's showing up every night. That's showing up non-LeBron James, non-NBA type. That's your best player showing up every stinking night. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that as you move forward. The Boston Bruins show up every night, and you know by winning 63 freaking games. Man, can you imagine if they if they had LeBron James and the boys and girls of the NF, NHL playing every night in that environment where you're going to beat the living crap out of each other? 63-12-5. That was their record. So I guess they played 80 games. Why do they only play 80 games? 81 games other teams play. Who knows? I don't know. I don't care. 63, 12, and 5. Now, there is a team that won 50, and that's the closest. The team that won 50 is Carolina. So Carolina wins 50. The the Bruins win 63. Yeez. Good for them. NBA headlines. uh, 
nobody talks more and does less than Damian Lillard. I know it's damn. I know he's from Oakland. I know he's top, blah, 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 blah. But every time I turn my head, I got to listen to Damian Lillard. And now every time I turn my head, I got to listen to Luka Doncic. Look, great players. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. Yeah, you shoot from here. Yeah, you do all this, but you're sitting out the playoffs. So Damian Lillard said, I don't have much of an appetite for building with guys two and three years away and not really go for it. I don't blame you, but who the hell wants to go to Portland? Who wants to play in Chaz? Who wants to go to a city where people are just taking dumps in the middle of the street? Well, that's Indy, too. That's a lot of places. Did you see this? Did you see a woman gave birth to a baby on a sidewalk? in San Francisco, and the cops or the firemen say, yeah, we ain't coming. Uh, Luka Doncic, I don't like it. On the Mavs not playing starters with a chance to make the play-in tournament. I didn't like it. That's it, he said. Well, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. Luka Doncic, you didn't like it. Well, that's the team that you're a part of. That's the organization that you're a part of. You know what I'm saying? That's what you got. And I'm shocked, still shocked, that the Mavericks did not play their starters in a game that determined whether they were going to make the play. And I'm stunned by that. I really and truly am. It's like, what are you doing? You got a superstar, so you got a chance, even if you get in a playoff game. But what it tells me after I gave it a little more thought last night is that they are so dysfunctional in Dallas that nobody even wanted to play. And you know where that dysfunction comes? Don't at me about this anytime you bring Kyrie Irving in. Damian Lillard's just talking. Damian Lillard's trying to be a guy. We get it. In the NBA, you got a shelf life. You got to try to be a guy. You're highly paid, which means you're highly entitled, and we got to listen to you. But the Dallas Mavericks, they got a superstar. They had a chance to make the playoff. What if he and, and Irving just go nuts in a playing game and then go nuts in a series? It's unbelievable that they didn't try. It's really fascinating to me. It's shocking to me, really. But hey, That's the world that we live in. We don't try in professional sports. We want to go to Cancun. We want to talk. We want to do all these different things in the NBA. That's why, frankly, on television, we're going to watch. I know Clay is all over the ratings and he's not wrong, but at least according to ESPN yesterday, that people want to go to NBA games. They go. They fill the place. Most watched they've ever had, at least in the arenas. I don't understand it. And Van Pasterman, you're not wrong on the YouTube chat. Rick Carlisle got out when the getting was good. He was the coach of the Mavericks, let him do a title. He said, to hell with this, I'm getting out of there. That's a wackadoodle freaking organization, and it never used to be. It seriously never used to be. Mark Cuban was ahead of his time in terms of player amenities, making sure he took care of players. But damn, I'd find Cuban... I'd find the general manager, I'd find the coach, and I'd find every one of those players through the nose that said, we're not playing. I would find them until the cows came home. Just me. I don't believe this story. Now, I want you to sit here and listen to this. Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird, uh, the gay power couple that we're all supposed to genuflect to, are among a group of prominent female athletes who really, 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 really want men to be allowed to compete against women for some unknown reason. Um, They go by inclusivity. Now, I would argue that both of these jackasses who have become just so ridiculous with this stance are at the end of their careers. So it does their brand good to talk about inclusivity. It does their brand good 
to talk about things like, well, we're being inclusive, but that's not the point of this. This is taking away opportunities. I guarantee you these two, if a bunch of dudes from the NBA came in and decided they were going to play in the WNBA, you'd have never heard of Sue Bird. If at Connecticut, a bunch of dudes from other colleges said, hey, look, we identify as a woman, you'd have never heard of Sue Bird. Never. You'd have never heard of Megan Rapino if a bunch of dudes that weren't quite good enough to make the U.S. men's national team identified as a woman and said, we want to play women's soccer. You'd have never heard of Megan Rapino. You'd have never heard of these two. ESPN would never have made them the it thing. The uh, Anne Heche and what's-her-face. No. Uh-uh. Don't even at me about this crap. It's ridiculous, these two. The only reason these two are doing it is because they are at the twilight of their career and they're trying to help their little inclusive brand. But it's not inclusive because it's not inclusive to women. And I will stand here and I will argue and I will fight. And by the way, Riley Gaines is on our show tomorrow. Riley Gaines and Ennis Cantor are on our show tomorrow and it's going to be a monster. Tommy Lauren coming up next. But it's just, these two are so full of crap, these two, and we got to listen to them. I don't have to listen to them. I don't give a rat's ass what either of them say, except when they're total idiots. When they're total idiots, uh, entitled, smug, ridiculous, and not very entertaining, by the way. So here's the deal. Megan Rapinoe, Sue Bird, and some lady named Becker Sauerbrunn were among 40 professional Olympic paralegal athletes who co-signed the letter to lawmakers in opposition to the Protection of Girls and Women in Sports Act. Now, they don't want to say that act. If you go around and you pay attention to this, they call this bill HR something. They don't call it the Protection of Girls and Women in Sports Act. Athletic Ally, a woman, or a athletic group that the sports, LG, whatever initiative, sent a letter on Monday. The athletes believe the bill wouldn't protect women in sports, but rather exclude women and girls from getting mental and physical health benefits. Okay. Right. If you ever listen to a woman broadcaster, they never talk about X's and O's. They talk about when this, the psychology of it. Yeah, we believe that gender equity in sports is critical. Really? Okay. Any dude that didn't make... Why do you think women's basketball teams have boys in practice, practicing against them, and the boys whip the women's basketball teams? If these boys, they did it at Bowling Green, they do it at Indiana, they did it at UConn, they have students, men's students, try out for their practice team against women. And they beat the crap out of the women every day. So these women you see here would never have played. Never. Not one time would you have seen this tongue sticking out of Megan Rapino if boys were allowed to play on the women's national soccer team. Our deepest hope is that transgender and intersex kids will never have to feel the isolation, exclusion, and othering that H.R. 734 is seeking to ensure in the law. That's not what it's doing. And why don't you call it, instead of calling it H.R. 734, why don't you call it what it is, the Protection of Girls and Women in Sports Act? That's what it is. I mean, you made a big deal about the don't say gay. You called it by a fake name. Call this one by the real name. Megan and Sue. The rule would leave room for schools to develop policies that prohibit trans athletes from 
from playing on more competitive teams if those policies are designed to ensure fairness or prevent sports-related injuries. The bill also says it would be in violation of the act for a recipient of federal financial assistance who operates, sponsors, and facilitates athletic programs or activities to prevent a person whose sex is male to participate in an athletic program or activity that is designed for women or girls. I mean, imagine us having this conversation. I think that's Sue Bird. Nobody would have ever heard of Sue Bird if the boys she played against at UConn on the practice team would have been allowed to play on the women's team. All they had to do was go say, hey, look, I identify as a woman, and they'd have been allowed to play. My wife tells me all the time I should identify as a woman. I'd be the greatest broadcaster on every network that there is. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So... A few transgender athletes are far more important than all women because this purple-haired crazy person who got her opportunity, she got her opportunity, now wants to limit opportunities for others because there's a small, small group of transgender people that deserve it more than real women. You explain that to me. Pull this, it plays Jingle Bells. That's unbelievable. It's incredible. But these women at the end of their career, well, you know, we want to take a stand because it makes us look better. Yeah, I would imagine that the market for Sue Bird and Megan Rapinoe uh, as lesbians is massive. And they've got to keep that market going. They can't come out for truth. They can't come out for women looking for the same opportunity that they had. (laughs) You know that's right. You know that's the deal. Why do you think all of a sudden Kaepernick came out and talked about his parents being racist. He's selling a book. Why is Mike Greenberg all over these different media plays? Selling a book. These women are selling a brand. That's it. They're not for real women getting real opportunities. They're for their brand. <laughs> That's it. And they for damn sure don't want the name of the actual bill put out there because that would defeat their interest in the public eye. The Protection of Girls and Women in Sports Act. Say it, Megan. (laughs) Say it, Sue Bird, you frauds. Uh, I'll tell you who's not a fraud. Tommy Lard's going to join us. We got a lot to talk about with Tommy. I got a lot to talk about. San Francisco State. By the way, Riley Gaines is going to join us tomorrow. I can't wait. She got attacked. I'm going to ask Tommy. Tell me what Ryan, uh, Riley Gaines was feeling. Tommy had this. Tommy had this on campus where they barricaded her in a room. I mean, you people in the liberal world are nuts. Hey, Dan, please bring on Tommy and lose Rapino on the screen. We'll be right back. Yeah, have a transgender league. It's very simple. See, our outkick chat is genius. It's very simple. You're born a male, play with males. You're born a female, play with females. Don't at me about it, people. Just don't. Tommy Lauren next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $20 on the Steel MS-162 or MS-170 Chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you go when you go to Tommy Lauren's Twitter, it says Tommy Lauren is fearless. I say Tommy Lauren is awesome because she is fearless. So one goes hand in hand with the other. I got to get right into it with you. This whole Dylan Mulvaney thing, um, I have always surrounded myself, luckily, with strong women. My wife, stepdaughter, plays softball. My wife's a legend. My mother, my mother-in-law, blah blah blah. I don't get this whole deal. I don't get the assault on women, real women, with this Mulvaney thing. Am I overreacting to this? No, you're not. And I'll tell you this. If we actually look back at this and we take a step back and look at what the left is doing here, they are replacing women of all shapes, sizes, races, and ethnicities with predominantly white men. And if you would have told somebody that during the suffrage movement, during the great modern feminist day movement, they would have told you that that was ridiculous and that how dare Republicans do that. But flash forward to 2023, and that is what the left and the Democrats are actively doing. We see it not only in their advocacy and pop culture, but we also see what the rule changes they're trying to make to Title IX, which is something that they cheerled and something that they championed. And now they're putting it through the paper shredder because the Rainbow Mafia has completely run roughshod over this country. And they're doing it shamelessly, eyes, and women are essentially being erased. And yeah, everybody should be ticked off about this. I'm looking at Sue Bird and Megan Rapino. I just talked about them. You know, they're supporting opposition to something that gives women opportunity to not have to play against men. I, I look at this, and all I see from Rapino and from Bird is protection of their little brand. The, the importance of a small group of transgender, more important than a large, huge group of women athletes. I don't get this. I don't either, but I think if push came to shove and they actually risk losing their spot on a team or any of their opportunities or accolades to a biological man, I don't think that they would sing the same tune. However, you're exactly right, Dan. This is about brand protection. And somehow we've cultivated this environment and popular culture where anything LGBTQ barbecue is more important than anything else. And these companies are scared stiff of offending this now mob. And whether they think it's ridiculous or not, and whether they want to stand up for actual women or just reality, biology, science, they won't do it because they know that this mob is so forceful, especially on social media, that they won't risk it. We've created this environment. We've created enough space to allow them to do this. We can only blame ourselves. When you, when you look at what's going on here, is this ever going to slow down? It seems to me, and I'm going back to Mulvaney here, it seems to me that I don't know. She keeps picking up steam. I'm sure you saw the, 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 I don't know, head of marketing for Bud Light's comments about we need to change this. I looked at that like, what is wrong with you? Well, this is exactly what happens. I'll tell you, Dan, these wokesters get out of college and they have no sense of reality. They have no sense of the real world. They get some kind of a degree. They get elevated to a position and then they start to be activists. 
So I would venture to guess, and I would bet about anything on this, Dan. I would bet that the rest of Bud Light is probably pretty pissed about what happened. I don't think they support it. I think they know how stupid it was. I think that they know that in reality, frat boys and American, red-blooded American men are really their largest customer base, and they don't like what happened. But they wouldn't dare go against this person, this activist, because then they would all probably be reported to HR and be called transphobes, and nobody can have that because nobody wants to lose their job or be canceled. Once again, we've allowed these people to be so entitled and protected that they run roughshod over the rest of us. The time is now to push back and not care if they call you a name. Right. I mean, you get called. Tommy, you wake up for breakfast and you're a racist and a phobe. By 9 o'clock, I'm called a racist and a phobe 10 different times. I mean, who gives a rat's ass? Real people understand that there is an attack on women, but there's also attack on Christianity. Where did this come from? Well, they go hand in hand. They really do. If you have this Marxist communist agenda, what you have to do is you have to get rid of the church. You have to get rid of faith. You have to get rid of that anchor that so many Americans for generations have relied on to be their base because you have to replace it with this other garbage. So you have to go after Christians. You have to go after faith and religion and decency because that's the only way you can make room for the rest of this trash. But again, the same song and dance here. Christians have been so quiet, and we don't want to offend anybody. We want everyone to like us. And so now we're in this position where we're being targeted and attacked, and how six Christians can get murdered in Nashville, and then they make it about trans rights. How can they get away with this? Well, the only way they can is because too many people are too afraid to say something. We've got to be unafraid, and we have to realize what's at stake because it's a whole lot. You know what? It's interesting. In your city of Nashville, you had two cops that acted as heroes. I mean, absolute freaking heroes going in where most people, particularly cops in Uvalde, never even thought to go in. And then you've got three folks in Congress that, you know, I guess participated in an insurrection. Of course, that's racist. And Camilla Harris comes and visits the three that get ousted in Senate and doesn't say a word about the two cops that risked their life to save kids. It's upside down. It's upside down, but that's, I mean, that's Kamala. She saw the opportunity to jump on the race card, and it's amazing how quickly she will get on the plane and travel somewhere. She can never find time to actually go to the southern border or do any of her other jobs, but if she can get a chance to come to Nashville and talk about race and gun control, we know she's going to take that opportunity. But you know the one, Dan, that bothers me the most? Beyond the two, the, the Pearson and the Justin Jones, those two, I can't stand them. I think that they're repulsive. But it's actually Gloria Johnson, the one that didn't get expelled, that's jumping on this bandwagon that I find the most cringeworthy. I don't know if you saw, but they were on Good Morning America the other day, and she's sitting there tweeting about it. She's so excited to get some spotlight. She would have never gotten this in her life if she didn't jump on this bandwagon. She's as shameless and disgusting as all of them combined. Yeah, and she was the first one that I saw, and I could be wrong, that dropped, hey, this is racist. I'm being allowed back, and they're not, so this is racist. Every damn thing is racist, isn't it? It's not about content of character, which Martin Luther King famously said. It's about the color of skin. Every single thing can't be about race. No, and nobody in Nashville, I can tell you, nobody in Tennessee, any of those other representatives that voted to expel 
these gentlemen. It's not because of the color of their skin. It's because what they did. And the only reason that Gloria Johnson was saved by her own defense, by the way, is because she didn't do what the other two did. She wasn't with a bullhorn. She wasn't slamming on desks and screaming. She just stood there. And that was her own defense. But now she wants to be on Good Morning America with the other two. So now she's got to play the race card, even though she's a 60-year-old white woman. She's still getting the benefit out of it. So this is Democrats. I mean, this is how they operate. It's so cringeworthy. It's so repulsive. It's actually barf worthy to watch these people do it. But they feel so good about themselves. Like they've really done something. Really, they've accomplished nothing. And especially in Tennessee, Democrats have no power anyway. So enjoy GMA. You have no power in the volunteer state. <laughs> when you uh, I'm going to shift it just a little bit because you're the perfect person to ask this. What the hell's going on between Trump and DeSantis ultimately here? What's going <laughs> to happen? What's going on here? So I am obviously a Trump supporter. I've been a Trump supporter since 2015. I've been a big advocate and supporter, but I know how important this election is in 2024. So I want a great primary season. I want Ron DeSantis to announce and I want the two to go head to head and I want it to be you know, as fair as it can be. And I want to see who's going to be our nominee at the end of this. And whoever it is, I will support them. It's going to be Ron DeSantis or it's going to be Donald Trump. The rest of them are just noisemakers trying to elevate themselves. But here's what really concerns me, Dan, is this. A poll just came out from ABC News. We know that that's definitely more on the liberal side that said that over half of Americans think that Donald Trump should suspend his campaign because of this indictment. So what does that tell me? Yeah, it's politically motivated and it's BS, but those independents that we need to win in 2024, they have been fooled by the media once again, and they think that Trump is a crook once again, and they won't vote for him. So I'm concerned. If he's our nominee, I know it's wrong what they're doing to the guy. I completely agree. We need to speak out against it. But I really worry that there are a lot of Americans out there who are not going to vote for Trump under any circumstances. And I have a feeling Gavin Newsom is going to run. We cannot, by any means, allow Gavin Newsom to be our president. You think Biden's bad? Wait until Gavin gets in that seat. It's going to be a whole hell of a lot worse. That's why I think we got to be strategic about this. I think Ron DeSantis is our best bet. I think he has the best chance. So when he announces, that's probably where my support is going to go. When you look at what... Well, Chicago, be careful what you wish for is one of my family mottos. And you're sitting there thinking Lori Lightfoot was bad. Now this guy comes in. You think Biden is bad. Now you're talking Gavin Newsom. But I got to ask you, it, 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 common sense wise, and, I, and I, look, I've paid more attention to this than I ever had in my life over the last two years having this show. Common sense tells me there is zero chance that I could put President Biden in the White House again whether you like his policies, think he's the worst, which I do, the worst president of my lifetime, the dude doesn't know where he is. And by the time we get to that election, he really wants, and it's not getting better. Let's put it that way. I'll just put it. There's no way common sense tells me that Biden can run or you can, anybody can vote for this man based on his cognitive inability to know where the hell he is. I would agree with you. And I think that they are going to push him out of the way. I think that they're already convincing him, which is why you see Gavin Newsom touring the nation, acting like he's running a presidential campaign, because I think that he is going to step out at the last minute. I think Gavin's already ready to jump in there. I have no doubt in my mind that that's what's going to happen. But 
We've seen it happen before. You know, they hid Biden running up to 2020 and their machine on the Democrat side is so powerful with their early voting and their ballot harvesting and their control of media and academics and everything else. I'm worried because their ground game is a hell of a lot better than ours. So we better figure out what they're doing and we better do it better. Otherwise, you know, a plastic cup could probably run as a Democrat and win in 2024. Honest to God, the whole ground game is the thing, is it not? I mean, Georgia, we saw everybody complain how racist it was, except for the people that actually were involved. We just, we see so much crap. I'm from a part in the United States, Northwest Indiana, Gary, Indiana, where I had a good friend uh, go to jail or actually he skipped out and went to, went to uh, Greece on the day of his sentencing in federal court. So I understand voter fraud. People that say voter fraud isn't real can kiss my backside. Uh, I grew up with it. Um, I know it. I know people that were involved in it. You, you can't stop this, apparently, right? I mean, you can't just say, hey, look, to vote, you got to go to the poll, show an ID, and vote. You can't do that anymore, right? Is, is, that, is the hay in the barn on that deal? Yeah, because of COVID, they've used this COVID emergency. They've extended it. They've said, oh, you know, mass mail-in voting, it works so well during COVID. We need to continue this. And they're going to always continue it. It's never going to go back the other way. I mean, there are going to be states like Tennessee and others that have voter ID laws. So it's going to help strengthen it a little bit. But when you have mass mail-in voting, I mean, at that point, this is where we are now. And this is what it's going to be. And every state is going to allow ballot harvesting before too long. So we better figure out what they're doing and how they're playing this game. Because we're not playing it at all right now. Tommy, last thing uh, before I let you go, I'm I'm fascinated uh, by a couple of things. One, I'm fascinated by Gavin Newsom because his policies have been such crap. Is he, you said a, a plastic cup could win. If things were all on the equal, is he that popular of a candidate on the, on the liberal side of things? Yes. We cannot he underestimate is. Gavin Newsom. California is a disaster. We all know that. I think we can objectively look at that, but it doesn't matter. The man is charismatic. He says things that sound good to people, and he will use it, and he will exploit it, and it doesn't matter what reasonable, rational people think of California. He can win. And I'm telling you, at this point, it doesn't matter what your policies and your voting record was. If it does, we would have had Trump in 2020. He can win. He is going to be my biggest fear heading into 2024. I have no doubt in my mind he's going to run. We better put up a candidate that's just as strong and just as polished, but also just as bullish. And I think that the only person that can do it is Ron DeSantis. Now, Donald Trump can fight like hell. But when you got everything in the world against you, that's going to be a battle that's going to be one hell of a battle to fight. I think Ron DeSantis is up for the challenge. It's going to take some work. I wish Trump would get behind him because I think that would assure a victory. But we're going to have to wait and see how this primary season plays out. The, the second thing before I let you go is Trump is, you know, he is facing 34 charges. People seem to discount that and maybe rightfully so, but maybe not rightfully so. Um, what do you see happening here? Not necessarily with any type of election, but what do you see realistically happening here in the court of law with Donald Trump? Well, look at the region that this is being tried in, right? That's going to be the problem here. I don't think in New York he's going to get a fair trial. I don't think he's going to get justice. And the man faces 136 years. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds crazy. I don't think 
that would ever be a possibility. But there is a possibility that he could get, you know, two to four years, something like that, because of the way the system is set up against him, especially in a liberal place like New York and Manhattan and that district. That's that's what I'm worried about. You know, I'm, we really cannot count on an impartiality there, especially when the name Trump is involved. So I'm really concerned. We laugh at this like this is just some scam. But unfortunately, this is the world we live in now. And I think that the injustice system is going to go to work on Donald Trump. And then when it gets done with him, it's going to come after the rest of us. So this is serious stuff. And I wish that there was you know, more of a silver lining to this. But I don't really think there is right now. It's just such a mess. Are you one of those that believes Trump is more popular because of this? But you just mentioned two to four years, possibly. I mean, what? Hell, this is set up badly, I think, for Trump. I could be dead wrong, but people seem to think that he's going to be more popular due to this. Where are you at with that aspect of it? Well, there is a difference between popularity and electability. Yes, I think it will make Trump personally more popular. You know, he's going to be like Elvis Presley or Tupac or whoever. You know, it's going to make him even more of a celebrity, especially if he goes to jail. I mean, look at Martha Stewart, right? I think for him personally, that equals popularity. Does that mean he's going to be elected president in 2024? No, I don't think that those two are the same. So that's what we really have to be concerned with. And that is my biggest concern. Uh, polling, DeSantis versus Newsom, who would be ahead right now? Well, if the Trump supporters would get behind DeSantis, it would be DeSantis. But right now, because the Trump supporters have convinced themselves that Ron DeSantis is this establishment rhino, I'm worried that maybe Gavin Newsom would. I mean, it's going to be a long season, and we're going to have to wait and see who our nominee is. I think that if Ron DeSantis pulls out a victory and he is our nominee, I do think that all of the Republican Party will rally behind him. I really do. But it's going to take some convincing for Trump supporters to see the forest through the trees and to make the correct decision for 2024. And that's what I try to you know, tell these folks every single day, because I'm one of them, right? I'm a Trump supporter. I'm one of you guys. But it really doesn't matter how much of a Trump supporter you are in 2024 if we lose again, because your country's still going to hell. So make better choices. You know, just explain to me how Hunter Biden isn't in, under indictment. How, how is he not under indictment? <laughs> I, I've, I've had enough of that guy. How is what the hell are we doing? Well, we know his last name is Biden, so there's just no desire to investigate. I mean, House Republicans are doing everything they can, but even when you put the facts on the table, because the fact that we don't run the mainstream media, a lot of people know that this Hunter Biden character is shady business, but they don't care enough because they haven't been made to care enough. Because when you only have Fox News, OutKick, and conservative outlets talking about it and telling you how big of a deal it is, It's not resonating with those other people. So that's why we're here. There's not an outcry. You know, Trump, there's an outcry. Biden, Hunter, the rest of them, no outcry. So that's what happens, I guess, when you're always playing the underdog when it comes to the media and when you're coming to viewership. So we're doing the best we can. The House Republicans are doing a lot. But without the average American caring, eh, I don't think anything's going to happen with that. What's going on in your show this week? What do you got? Well, yesterday, and people can still watch it, of course, on our YouTube channel. I really want people to watch this because I had a clinical therapist join me talking about what these hormones do to these people that are wanting these transgender surgeries and these hormone blockers and the puberty blockers, all of it. Explain what that does to the mind. 
And it's astonishing. So I hope everyone will check out yesterday's episode of Tommy Lernis Fearless. Of course, it's all over my social. It's all over our YouTube as well. And then tomorrow is going to be another great day. Uh, I've got Ollie London. If you guys are on Twitter, you know it's a detransitioner who's calling out all of this BS. He's going to be on the show tomorrow night. And then on Thursday, I've got Jim Jordan in studio. So it's going to be a great week, and I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you. Great to talk to you, Dan. Tommy Lauren is fearless. Tommy Lauren is awesome. You kidding me? I mean, she just comes on and gets it going. Look, I I don't know what to tell you, but a lot of people want to know if DeSantis is strong enough. A lot of people want to know, and I want to know, is Trump going to be in jail? I mean, let's just talk about it honestly. I mean, there's a lot of stuff involved here. People get mad at Tommy. People get mad at Trump, get mad at DeSantis, and that's all good. But the truth of the matter is, I look at this maybe a little differently. I'm looking at Trump and I'm saying, wait a second. A grand jury, whether you think it's tainted, whether you think it's not tainted, whatever you think, came back with 34 felony counts. Now, to me, that would make me crap my pants. And I assume to you, that would make me crap my pants. I'm serious about it. Like, man, oh man, 34 felony counts and I got to go to a court and I got to face this? Now, you can say that it's all, quote, trumped up. You can say that it is politically motivated. Of course it is. But the truth of the matter is I look at things realistically. I look at things how they are. And if I were looking at this, I would be looking at 34 freaking felony charges that I have got to answer. And even one of these felony charges, if it goes through, dooms me. I'm just telling you, man, it's, it's one of the oddest things that I have ever seen. And it's not that Trump is facing these charges. It's the reaction. People act like not Tommy, but others act like the reaction to this is just, ah, this will all be thrown out. Really? I'm not trying. Hey, I'm not saying they won't, but there's going to have to be some pretty damn good lawyer in here because both sides have pretty damn good lawyers. I mean, you've got people that are used to filing charges in the Southern District of New York. You've got Trump's guys that are used to fighting charges. You've got people in the Southern District that are used to fighting for what the charges are, what the grand jury came back with. Are you understanding me here? This is not cut and dry. I'm, I'm just, man... I'm not even mad that Trump paid the hush money to Stormy Daniels. He should have. Heck yeah, he should have. And then he should have just admitted, yeah, I paid hush money to a stripper. I don't know if he should have done that. But this doesn't go to the hush money. This goes to how he covered it up in the state of New York. You're not allowed in most states. You're not allowed to falsify business documents on publicly traded companies. So... (laughs) Uh, no fun, League Sports Channel. We all pay for chicks. Even if you're married, you're paying them. Ah. But that, and that's not it. Hey, look, pay all you want. Do what you want. Pay, 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 pay this god-awful stripper who is now selling everything, and somehow she's going to be on, like, Vogue or Vanity Fair. <laughs> man, oh, man. I, hey, all right, Edgar, as someone who voted for Trump last couple times, I have to decide whether I want my preferred candidate to win the primary or if I want my preferred party to win the general election. That's right. 
Your candidate, our candidate, your candidate, whatever you want to describe it, Donald Trump may be in the clink, maybe in the hooska, maybe in prison, jail, however you want to say it. I'm just telling you. So it isn't that easy to just say, hey, look, this is all going to be fine. It ain't, it may, it could, but when I, I just must look at it differently than you all look at it. So we'll see what happens, but I got to tell you, man, it is fascinating. It is very, very fascinating what is transpiring here. Very fascinating. And for those of you that are asking, hey, Dylan, let's play the Bud Light ladies, mark the marketing lady. Let's play what she said yesterday. Some of you don't know what we're talking about when we asked Tommy about Dylan Mulvaney. And apparently, Joe Biden is going to get a bunch of social media influencers to storm the social media world and influence. So let's listen to this uh, Bud Light lady. I'm a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, Mm -hmm. we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand and my what i brought to that was a belief in okay what is what what does evolve and elevate mean it means inclusivity it means shifting the tone it means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men Mm -hmm. and representation is at sort of the heart of evolution you've got to see people who reflect you in the work and we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important (laughs) that we had another approach. It's really important that we bring a white male dressed as a girl to lighten up from the frat boys and the humor that we had It's really important. Maybe. I've said this, and I will continue to say this. She might be right. She might be. Hey, let's be honest. Now, you remember Budweiser is no longer an American company. I think everybody knows that. It's a Belgian-owned company. It is a company that really has nothing to do with the red, white, and blue. But the truth of the matter is, we'll see. That's it. Like, I, hey, Budweiser is up 1.46% today, the stock. All right. Like people can say, oh, this is going to tank. I don't know if it's going to tank. I don't know that it is. I don't know that it isn't. Maybe it does. Uh, It opened. It's up. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. The high has been 67.09. It's at 65.92. The low has been 44.51. So in the volatile stock market of the Joe Biden economy, it's pretty much stayed stable. It's pretty much stayed within certain parameters. So it's not horrible. Look, who knows? There is a lot of talk that a lot of vendors, particularly in the South and in the Midwest, are scared to death. And uh, a lot of vendors are not stocking their shells with Bud Light. We'll see how long that lasts. I don't know. Maybe this is a great move. Maybe influencers are the way to go. Maybe that's the only way to go. 
Maybe it appeals to college kids. Maybe maybe Bloomington sees an influence, an impact of Bud Light. Get more Bud Light. I don't know, but but you cannot, you cannot just simply say this is wrong. You can if you're an old guy like me, but I don't have old guy thinking. I have rational thinking, and we're going to find out. That's it. We're going to find out whether this strategy, which I will say is a new wage, new wave strategy thought of by smart people. We're going to see if this works. We are. We are going to see if this works. And if it works, you're going to see more and more influencers, uh, little college girls, gymnasts, basketball players that take their clothes off put bikinis on, go douches with, you know, lips out. You're going to see more and more. You're going to see more fake women. We shall see. Me personally, I ain't buying Bud Light product. I'm not buying Budweiser products. I'm just not. I have too much respect for women to watch them be mocked. And I know, well, you know, you're going to buy Anheuser-Busch products and not even know. No, I know which ones they are. I I follow Indy Spanglish. He knows which ones they are. All right, we come back. I got the top five. I want you to think about this. The top five kind of dumbest, most ridiculous NBA events from the regular season. Top five next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, that's right. We're here. We're always here. We're going to be here forever. We just signed a new three-year deal, so we ain't going nowhere. So you might as well tell your friends and load this up and make this the number one show in the history of the world. Look, um, Senator B.S. says, I don't drink often, but when I do, it will not be an Anheuser-Busch. Corona used to be my go-to. Dan, do you need a beer koozie when you drink a bottle of Bud Light? Nope, I don't because I am not going to drink Bud Light. I'm just not. I have too much respect for women. You can. You do you. But I, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel J. Dockage, has far, far, far too much respect for women. Period. That's it. All right. Let's discuss the top five oddest, weirdest, most ridiculous things that happened in the NBA this year. Now, a couple of them just happened, and one of them, it happened the other day. I don't know if we have the video of it, but Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson got into it on the bench. We saw it from yesterday. Now, here's why this is so ridiculous, okay? It's so ridiculous because not only did the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert play on, not only did they win the game, but they're in the playoffs for the first time ever. So number five, you're in the playoffs, you're Minnesota, you stink, 
all these years, you actually win the game that you're arguing with, and you're going to fight. That's what you're going to do. You're going to throw hands on the bench to the point, ladies and gentlemen, this is what even makes it better, to the point where Rudy Gobert, your shot-blocking stud center, who is, well, he's supposed to be at the rim tonight against LeBron James in a play-in game, gets suspended. You're going to see the video here. There's Gobert on the right. Boom! This is during a win, during a season, where the, the Timberwolves are actually in the playoffs. So now, Gobert's suspended. Now, tonight, guess what? He ain't playing in a play-in game, and the conspiracy theories arise. LeBron James gets a pass without the best big, shot-blocking big, maybe in the league, playing in a play-in game. All right. Second dumbest thing. Man, I read this article yesterday. Steve Clifford is like the losingest coach in the history of the world, not named Randy Whitman or Bill Fitch in the NBA. Steve Clifford, the coach of the Hornets, is saying, well, we got to win now because we got to keep LaMelo Ball. Huh? We got to keep LaMelo Ball? Guy played 46 games. Maybe that's why you don't win is because you got to keep LaMelo Ball. I read this and I'm thinking to myself, Wait a second. This dude has nothing internally about him that says winning, LaMelo Ball. This dude is a ball, which means he's going to be hurt, he's not going to play, and it's going to be subst- or style over substance. But you got to keep him with the Charlotte Hornets. Dawkins, you don't understand, man. LaMelo Ball is great. Yeah, you're right. I don't understand LaMelo Ball being great. I understand LaMelo Ball being hurt. I understand LaMelo Ball being a child. I understand LaMelo Ball no chance being the face of a franchise at this point in his career that wins. Now, maybe you're betting on the cup. Maybe you're betting in four or five years LaMelo Ball wins something, but I don't think so because, frankly, he seems to be a child, and children don't win in the NBA. They just don't. You can say they do. You can act like they do, but they don't win in the NBA. And LaMelo Ball is not going to win you games in the NBA. So do yourself a favor. Worry about building a team. Don't worry about LaMelo Ball. But I saw it, and I'm sitting there going, wait a second. Come on. Really? LaMelo Ball? And oh, by the way, Miles Bridges, remember him? Told you he had no game. He didn't show up in the biggest moments. He went nuts, threw stuff, married or got had kids with a crazy person. When you're crazy and the person you marry is crazy, guess what? Charges get filed eventually. They do. They just get filed. And so Miles Bridges has missed this entire year. He pled no contest to felony, like beating up his wife, girlfriend, whatever the hell, baby mama in front of their kids. So he's going to make a comeback. And next thing you know, we're all supposed to celebrate the Charlotte frickin' Hornets and this guy, LaMelo Ball. I got a headache. Next, happened the other day, too. Jaden McDaniel, who nobody's heard of in the NBA, he's a nice player for like a year at USC, and we had to hear about him and talk about him and listen to him, all that kind of stuff. All right, this idiot punches a wall. So this dummy punches a wall again on a day 
Hey, have the Draymond Green video ready if you guys can find it, by the way. On a day where, guess what? The Timberwolves are going to go into the playoffs. Yes, the Timberwolves, and they won. This dummy punches a wall because he's too stupid to know better. I'm going to punch a wall, man. Oh, really? Okay. You are? Well, that's cool. Oh, oh, you're going to punch? Oh, man, don't do that. That hurts our team. Jaden McDaniels may not be able to play. Oh, my gosh. That is going to hurt us. Shut up. Jaden McDaniels, you're too stupid to help a good team. Let's just be honest. If you're stupid enough to punch a wall, that's like a fifth grade move. One of my friends did that in like sixth grade. Punch the church. Guess who won? The church. Churches uh, are undefeated against human fists. Walls are undefeated, unless you're like Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee. Walls are undefeated against the human fist. But the level of stupid, well, frankly, it's there. This is ridiculous. So PETA is mad at LeBron James. PETA is mad at LeBron James for serving milk at the Players Ohio Community Center. PETA wants LeBron. The People for Ethical Treatment of Animals is mad at LeBron James for sitting idly by while the Starbucks in his Akron, Ohio Community Center serves milk to customers. PETA is demanding that James force the coffee counter to go dairy-free. They're demanding. PETA is, get watch, listen for it here. You ready for it? Utterly frustrated and infuriated that the Starbucks was using dairy-based products at its kiosk in the James House Three Treat Community Cemetery in Akron Center, Community Center. They said cemetery. The animal rights extremist groups insists James make a game-changing play for animals and people of color, many of whom are lactose intolerant, by establishing the location as the first dairy-free Starbucks. Oh, it's racist, too. Uh, It's all about racist, PETA claims, because PETA says the dairy penalizes the approximately 80% of black and indigenous Americans and more than 90% of Asian Americans who are lactose intolerant. Adding dairy products to your coffee is also mean to cows. The dairy industry's cruelty to cows, environmental impact, negative health effects on the lactose intolerate contradict the hope your foundation brings. You can't swing a dead cat without PETA getting mad. You know, they changed the basketballs years ago. That's why idiot analysts don't know it, except, of course, what has two thumbs and knows everything, this guy. But anyway, guys that are analysts on your TV say, well, uh, I didn't realize. 
That ball stuck on the backboard. I was the only guy that knew. Everybody at ESPN got mad at me, did not know. I said, look it up. Peter changed the composite of the basketball, much softer. It sticks on the flange. It sticks on the rim. That's why the ball sticks more in between and why the ball will hit the back, suck, and go in. Just the way it is. Peter, baby, go get him. Peter's mad. You know what I'd do if I was LeBron James? I would introduce more dairy products. Come here for your cheeses. Just because. That's what I would do. It would be out of spite. We do a lot of things out of spite on this show, and that's one of them. That's what I would do. We're out here. We're here for spite, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. All right. Number one, of course, it is Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the dumbest thing to happen in the NBA this year. Remember training camp, Jordan or Draymond Green, like a little stalker. Hands on his hips. Draymond Green shoved. Boom! Draymond Green not suspended by the gutless wonder Steve Kerr. Draymond Green is now a noted tough guy. Draymond Green has his own podcast where he talked about Rudy Gobert being soft yesterday because, well, nothing says tough like a sucker punch in an NBA training camp. Yeah. Nothing says it, ladies and gentlemen, like a sucker punch to the chops, leaning in. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. And, of course, the old coach, Ron Adams, he just stands there because Ron Adams understands. You see the coach. You'll see he's walking right there. See him walking right there. Sees the push doesn't get involved, kind of puts his hands out because he knows he's dealing with idiots. And when you know you're dealing with idiots, and again, I judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin, and these are idiots. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's my thought. That's number one in the top five for Tuesday, crazy NBA regular season happenstances and goings on. There it is. Right. Boom. A predator walking on a guy, getting in his face, gets shoved, and then does what chicken blank predators do. Take a chicken blank swing. And down goes Jordan Poole. There's no way if I'm Jordan Poole and I'm Jordan Poole's people, there is zero chance I'm allowing my guy to stay to stay in Golden State. I'm getting out of there because look at him. Just a predator. Just walking up on him. Acting a fool. Uh, By the way, here's something I don't understand. I watched the show Succession. I watched it the other day. Yeah, Logan Roy died. It was the most ridiculous, awful show I've ever watched in my life. Here's the show. Hey, uh, Dad dead? Yeah. Well, is he dead? Yeah. And then I saw the reviews and people that I respect, Jason Whitlock and others, are like, this is the greatest show ever. I'm exhausted from seeing this show. I got to tell you, I don't get it. I will, I will be the first to say I absolutely, positively do not get dialogue that is literally this. Hey, going on? 
Dad, is he all right? Put, put him next to your ear. Daddy, I love you, Daddy. Is he dead? What's going on? Get Shiv in here. Okay, huh? Well, yeah. But if, what, yeah. That is literally the dialogue for an hour. That's all you heard in this episode of Succession. That is it. Yeah? Huh? Oh, okay, yeah. What? Yeah. It, the, E. Okay. Is he dead? Is he okay? Hour. And I'm reading about how great this was. I think people, I think there are certain shows. I do. I think there are certain shows where people just want to say that it's great and it's a great dialogue just because they think it makes them sound cool and deep. I will tell you, I am not deep. Dan Percino, Succession is the best drama since Breaking Bad, and this week's episode was one of, if not the best episode of any television show I've ever seen. I gotta tell you. Short form video, this guy. All right. All right. I, I guess... Somebody, I wish I had a guest on from Succession. I know Chad Withrow loves it. I'm watching it going, this is complete crap. It's one of the best episodes I've ever seen. Oh, my God, I can't believe. All right. Okay. All right. If that's what you're telling me, then I'm going to go ahead with it. But I would love for anybody, anytime, anywhere on the YouTube chat to tell me that is not a hey, look. I waited two days, so I didn't give you a spoiler. An old man died on an airplane. I waited two days. If you haven't watched it in two days and you don't really like the show, Senator BS, the acting was horrible. Yeah, I gave you a spoiler alert. I'm sorry. Yeah, huh? Yeah, the? Oh, okay. All right, let's see Woke and Dope for today. What a mess that show is, but everybody loves it. I, I watch it because I want to learn, I guess, want to be cool. Oh, uh, yeah, what are we doing? The internet slang like based and red pill associated with extremism. What is it? What isn't associated with extremism or racism or homophobism? Uh, don't say white bread. It's funny. Yesterday, I was telling Lee, I go, man, I remember when we used to get white bread and, and butter. And that was like the greatest thing with our dinner. We didn't have to have garlic bread. We didn't have to have wheat rye or pumpernickel. We just got white bread. Well, you can't say white bread. Why can't I say white bread? Well, it's racist. White bread's racist? Oh, okay. <laughs> red pill. Somebody tell me, why is red pill racist or why is red pill a bad word? Can anybody tell me? Now, the blue pill we all like. The blue pill will give you a thrill. But red pill. And FBI documents associate internet slang like based and red pill with extremism. All right. Oh, okay. Part of the document refers to incels and those involuntary celibate 
whom the threat overview describes, I don't even know. I, I have no idea. Man, I mean, how complicated. One term in the glossary is red pill, which comes from the 1999 film The Matrix and has been used as a metaphor for seeing hidden or politically incorrect truths about the modern world, particularly when it comes to politics or dating. The FBI list of key terms defines it as a belief shared by many online communities that society is corrupt and the believer is a victim of this corruption. All right. Chad, a race-specific term used to describe the idealized version of a male who is very successful at getting sexual and romantic attention from women. Okay, so what? I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you know, Catholics are extreme. Christianity is extreme. Different words are extreme. I'm glad I live in my own little bubble. I'm glad I don't go out much. I've become a David Letterman type recluse. I'll go over to the country club over here and work out. I'll go to the store because I like going to stores. I'm going to Vegas this weekend, but nobody knows me anymore, so I'm good. My God, what a world. Huh, the crap we worry about in this country. What else you got, big boy? Jeez, it's unbelievable. (laughs) That's pretty simple. Like, it is always stated, at what point is more government intervention a good thing for whoever the government is in the intervening with? I just want you to think about that. Think about that just for a second. Is there any area of our life where more government regulation, more government intervention has been a good thing for the people. Did you know, I said this yesterday, government intervenes in everything in the great city of Chicago. You want to sell your condo, your condo, to Joey Bag of Donuts. You got to pay a point and a half to the city of Chicago for your condo selling to someone. That's more government intervention. That's more government in our life. At what point do you say, hey, look, we don't need the government in our real estate. We'll pay the tax that we're going to pay, but I don't need to be extorted a point and a half from a sale of my condo to Joey Bag of Donuts. Sure, there's taxes. We'll pay them. But we don't need to extort. See, This goes to sports as well. The NCAA is talking about more government intervention in the world of NIL and transfers. How's that a good thing? When has more regulation by government been a good thing? We know what happens in politics. Democrats get power, they regulate everything. Republicans get in power, they deregulate everything. It's just the way the world works. But this is so true. It gives the government power to, nope. Nope. I ain't doing it. As soon as I heard it gives the government power to, we're out. You know, our show keeps rolling along. 
Our show keeps absolutely rolling along. Tomorrow, the biggest story for people that are actually paying attention and want to learn has been Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines is standing up for women. Riley Gaines, friend of the show. In standing up for women, she got literally attacked by a dude in a dress. I want to say that again. I want you to think about it again. A dude in a dress attacked a woman athlete speaking on women should only compete against women and not have to be in locker rooms when the guy pretending as a woman is walking around with his junk out. And she gets attacked. And the folks at San Francisco State say, well, good for you attackers because it was peaceful. The woman, an African-American, that said this, the vice president of student affairs enrollment, if somebody would say a word to her that she did not like, she would consider that an unpeaceful attack, an egregious attack. I said I wouldn't go swimming with a crazy woman named Joanna Mellis in a pool, no matter the context. And that was debasing her, according to her and the Indy Star. I debased her. I act violently against her. That's violence as compared, that's not violence as compared to nothing. That's just me saying I'm not going swimming with a woman that isn't my my wife. Compare that to the, quote, peaceful protest where a man in a dress gave Riley Gaines a shot, where they kidnapped her and said, we want ransom. Just think about how crazy the world is in that vein. So Riley is going to join us. Our friend Ennis Cantor Freedom is going to join us. He's got a day named after him coming up in Utah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. People will be insane. Absolutely insane. Ennis Cantor Freedom getting a day? How dare they? How dare we celebrate somebody of faith, of honor, of commitment, of toughness, somebody who stood up to genocide, somebody who is standing up to an entity, the NBA, that supports, supports said genocide, that supports a communist regime in China. How dare we? By the way, this is day five of our friend Haley. Here it is. Day five of asking Nike to be a jockstrap model. Just do it for the hashtag inclusivity. I will say it again. I will say it again. I will not saying it, and I will continue to say it. If an adult male, Nike, can be your spokesman and model bras, then an adult female can be your spokesman and model the jockstrap. And I would argue that Haley would model the jockstrap far better than what Dylan Mulvaney models a bra. Just my opinion, but I would argue that. I would argue that they, number one, are the same thing, and that Haley would be a far better, because my guess is Haley has bigger stones than Dylan Mulvaney parading around, not as a woman, as a little girl parody of a little girl. Just my thoughts. We had a great show today. Thanks for everybody. Seriously, thanks to everybody. Davey, thank you. Dylan, thank you. 
Ryan, thank you. Ryan made a nice call to me. Dylan is always on top of things. Thanks to everybody that is making this show the go-to in the morning for smart people. That's our plan. Uh, I, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go out and roll around in the grass. I'm just telling you right now. I'm going to go outside and I'm going to roll around in the grass because it's a beautiful day here. And it's just one of those days where we just should roll around in the grass. Have a fantastic afternoon. Big day tomorrow.